0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get a cattle market update from Brian Peria with CanFax. Also, we'll hear from Canadian Federation of Agriculture President Mary Robinson. And out first in today's country comment, Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture stops by to discuss the weekly crop report. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture to discuss the weekly crop report.
1: Overall, we're in a bit of a stressful situation right now. Uh, We haven't had rain or substantial rain for about two weeks throughout much of the central region. So crops are... definitely looking parched at this time, and and as a result, they're thinner and and shorter and less developed than they would normally
0: be. Just talk a little bit more about what that uh, lack of water is doing to the crops.
1: Right now, with uh, the lack of rainfall and the extreme temperatures, actually, we've seen crops rush through their growth development stages. Uh, For instance, cereals right now are uh, largely at flag leaf to heading out, so that is about one to two weeks ahead of normal. And When we see crops develop earlier and quicker that way, rushing to produce seed, they typically have a lower yield associated with it. And Cereals in particular right now, uh, stressed throughout the growing season so far, didn't have a lot of moisture, didn't put out the same amount of tillers that they normally would, likely means that we're going to see some reduced yields there. Same goes for canola. Uh, We're seeing canola fields that are bolting and turning on uh, the bloom stage right now, so some fields are starting to turn yellow. But as a result of Again, lack of moisture and, and extreme temperatures, those rows aren't filling in quite to the same extent. And we're not seeing the crop nearly as tall as it normally would be.
0: Any, um, I guess, insect or, or disease concerns at this point? or
1: Right now, flea beetle pressure has largely either subsided, been controlled, or the crop is growing past the susceptible stage in canola. Uh, we are seeing some alfalfa weevil damage on forage crops, particularly in the eastern and interlake regions. Um, but monitoring is out right now for diamondback moss and birth army worm. However, counts still remain low at this time.
0: Wind's been an issue uh, for pesticide applications. Talk a little bit about that and, and some uh, drift issues.
1: We have seen some drift issue complaints to date uh, due to abnormally high winds throughout the growing season. I just got some information in from uh, Tim Yojo at uh, Manitoba Agrimeteorology, and we're looking at an average daily max wind speed of about 43 kilometers an hour uh, across 25 weather stations in Manitoba so that is a fair bit higher than the average wind speed over the past 15 years uh, so we're seeing uh, definitely a windier spring and that led to challenges with herbicide applications in particular being on target and taking care of the weeds that we wanted to so as a result we do see farmers spraying in more challenging conditions because they simply have no other option and as a result we're likely to get some more increased crop damage or a greater chance of drift moving uh, herbicide off target.
0: Dane, just touch uh, touch a bit on um, livestock producers and, and some of the challenges they're facing.
1: Well, right now, livestock producers are, are certainly uh, facing a challenge. We have a lack of moisture that hasn't contributed to a lot of regrowth on uh, native or tame hay ground, and forage ground. So cattle that have been turned out to pasture are having to be supplemented in some cases. Farmers are looking at... Um, Hay shortages right now since the first cut hay yields are anywhere from 25 to about 60% of normal. They're hoping that we get some rain to increase the, the amount of growth for a second cut, but that uh, is looking slim right now. So right now, uh, many producers are looking at supplementing cattle water on pasture as well, either drilling new wells, enlarging dugouts, trying to capture whatever moisture is available uh,
0: Crop diagnostic school is that is that still ongoing at this point or? That's right. The
1: crop diagnostic school runs weekly, uh, every Tuesday morning from eight thirty till nine. It's more of a call-in format this year, uh, since we're unable to host in person. So we invite farmers and agronomists to register and tune into that and ask your questions to the panel, and we're happy to address them.
0: Excellent. Um, and anything else, Dean?
1: Uh, for cattle and livestock producers, uh, there is. Um, Some funding available from the governments of Canada and Manitoba to provide livestock producers with funding options to address dry conditions on pasture regarding alternative water strategies. So they can check out the Ag Action Manitoba page for more details there.
0: That was Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture discussing the weekly crop report. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Protein Industries Canada has announced an investment into a project to develop a national strategy to improve diversity and inclusion of Indigenous groups in the Canadian agriculture and agri-food sector. Led by Indigenous Works, the project is part of the organization's luminary initiative – a six-year program created to advance Indigenous-led research and innovation. The Luminary Initiative brings together a consortium of more than 140 organizations from the Indigenous research and business communities. Indigenous Works has also joined forces with the University of Saskatchewan and the University of Regina. Nutrien has committed as a presenting sponsor. Farm Credit Canada will also support the initiative. Half of the $500,000 project will be funded by Protein Industries Canada. The remaining half will be contributed by Nutrien, along with other public funding programs. The finalized strategy will be used by the plant-based food, feed, and ingredient ecosystem to create programs, policies, and initiatives to address identified gaps and improve diversity and inclusion of Indigenous people. Canfax is providing us with a cattle market update. Here's senior analyst Brian Peria
2: been pretty positive for the most part cattle markets holding up pretty good you know usually into the springtime sometimes we see a little bit of pressure on the fed cattle market fat prices but uh, they've been holding fully steady you know u.s market actually saw is that some of the highest prices it's been at all year which is not kind of usual for june so really good beef demand maybe cattle numbers finally working through numbers pretty timely so uh, yeah fed markets holding up well feedlots making a little bit of money right now
0: And Agriculture in the Classroom Canada is continuing to deliver programming to students across the country. Here's Executive Director Joanne Ross.
3: We have reached over 2 million students in the past school year, even given all the restrictions and different things that we had to deal with. So it's pretty exciting to see that each of the provinces, because of course they are our delivery agents on the ground, have been able to look at unique ways to reach students, to reach teachers, to reach at home learners, and you know what? The demand has never been more than it
0: has been in the last year. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Prairie Egg Wire for Thursday, June 24th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Mary Robinson, President of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture says it's pleased that the Canadian Senate voted in favour of Bill C-208's adoption this week. Brandon Suris MP Larry Maguire's private member's bill addresses long-standing barriers that make it more costly to transfer a farm to a family member than to a third party. Mary Robinson is president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture.
4: I kind of feel like we are cautiously optimistic that we're gaining some momentum here and in, in victories for Canadian agriculture. You know, we did have... The change in aggressibility with the removal of the RML, and and uh, now we're seeing the, the passing of 208. And to think that a private member's bill that passed uh, on a topic like this is is pretty amazing. And uh, CFA has been working on this for more than a decade. Uh, so, uh, in conjunction with uh, accounting and small business communities, to just you know, this has been a long-standing barrier to inter- intergenerational farm transfers. And to see it eliminated is wonderful to think that it's going to facilitate more farm families staying in their farming business, and it's going to just level the playing field. We weren't looking for preferential treatment. We were just looking for the playing field to be leveled on taxation. So very exciting.
0: Yeah, and I guess um, this will this will be a big deal, you know, with um, the average age of Canadian farmers um now at over fifty-five years, I guess just talk about the number of farms that the, that'll be changing hands here. You know, in the next little while.
4: Yeah, there's going to be billions of dollars of farm assets changing hands, um, and uh, to think that we've we've moved away from this treatment as a dividend and instead, you know, being able to have it in a, a more favorable tax situation, and, and I think the the savings is in excess of twenty percent. So I've seen one figure where if, uh, if you were talking about a farm with a million dollars, it was, uh, the savings were about $200,000. Um, so those are big, big numbers, especially when you look at how a lot of farm families typically don't, uh, take a lot of money out of their, their businesses. Instead, they reinvest their profits. Um, so to, to think that when each generation transfers the farm to the next generation, and they have to finance their retirement. Many people unfortunately um, don't have RSPs or, or plan on the sale of their farmers' funds the next chapter of their life. Uh, this is exceptionally wonderful for, for that.
0: And to to see a private member's bill um, you know, um, get this far, is that is that uncommon or
4: I understand it's incredibly uncommon and I can tell you, coming from Prince Edward Island, I was so fiercely proud yesterday to listen to both um, Senators Percy Down and Senator Diane Griffin speak to it uh, when, when it was going through its third reading. And I, I also uh, had opportunity to not only to hear the wonderful work Larry McGuire's done, but also to hear the, the support of it from Wayne Easter. And uh, many of your readers and listeners will know the name Wayne Easter, He's been a long-standing MP here, and he has announced he will not be reoffering. So I'm very excited for Wayne because I know that he cares pretty deeply about this issue. And what an amazing thing to have a private member's bill passed, because uh, typically governments uh, don't like to see tax law being written by uh, non-government MPs. So I, I think it's, it's exceptional, and it's long overdue. We've seen other people try to get this through, So I think it really speaks to the representation and I think it speaks to the raised profile and awareness of potential that agriculture brings to Canada. And as I said earlier, I think we're getting some momentum here and I think we need to continue to pound the drum of positivity and opportunity uh, of what agriculture embodies for all of Canada, not just the people that live and work in agriculture, but well beyond that.
0: That was Mary Robinson, president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. The Canadian Cattlemen's Association Cattlemen's Young Leaders Mentorship Program has announced its 24 semifinalists for 2021. Out of the 24, 14 are representatives from the prairies, with 11 from Alberta and 3 from Saskatchewan. Glenda-Lee Allen Vossler talks with Jessica Giles, the Canadian Cattlemen's Youth Leadership Coordinator.
4: Let's start with the basics and talk to us about the mentorship program
3: itself.
5: So the Cattlemen's Young Leaders Mentorship Program, or the CYL Program, as we like to call it, is, as you mentioned, a national initiative under the Canadian Cattlemen's Association for Young People Ages 18 to 35. And it takes 16 participants each year, and it matches them with the mentor for a nine-month mentorship opportunity in their specific area of interest in the beef industry, whether that's sustainable grazing practices, industry advocacy or policy, uh, serving on industry boards, and so much more. And in addition to being matched with the industry mentor, they're also granted a $2,000 budget. And this funds various learning opportunities and their participation in industry events of their choosing.
4: Now, 24 semifinalists, 14 of which are from the prairies.
5: Yes, so we were excited to have 11 semifinalists from alberta and we've got three from saskatchewan this year and um when we look at our, our 24 semifinalists as a whole we've got lots of producers uh we've got a numbers of a number of students in that mix and also lots of people working in the industry whether that's in you know relation to finance we have a rangeland ecologist as someone working at the auction market um, etc and also people that play important roles in in the industry and supply chain
4: and can you fill us in on our saskatchewan nominees from
5: saskatchewan we have three semi-finalists and that is brock larson from simi we have holly sparrow from Vanskoy, and logan hoff from Eston. And these three are producers um, with a strong production background, and we're really looking forward to welcoming them to our final round of competition, the CYL selections event, where we're going to get to know these semifinalists um, a bit more and hear their ideas and discussions and um, get to pick their brain a bit.
4: So what is the next step now?
5: So the next step is... Honestly, one of the highlights of the program year, and it's the annual CYL selections Competition. And through this event, 24 semifinalists will be vying for one of 16 spots in the upcoming program year. And during the selections event, semifinalists will rotate through roundtable discussions that are about timely topics in the beef industry. Uh, For example, we have some um, about... Sustainability and the future of that for the industry, um, animal health, etc. And as they're rotating through these roundtable discussions, they're judged by our generous program sponsors. So last year we held this event virtually over Zoom, and um, this year we're still exploring what the format of this event will look like in um, that late August to September time frame. And uh, we look forward to sharing more details with their semi-finalists in the coming weeks as plans come together.
4: That's Jessica Giles, the Youth Leadership Coordinator with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen-Vosler.
0: That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen-Vosler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The CFAM Farmer Appreciation Lunch is back again this year, taking place July 13th in Plum Coulee at the Berchtoller Church parking lot. Lunch will be served from 11.30 until 1.00. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Meridian. Access Credit Union, and Borderview Electric in Winkler. Farm Credit Canada is offering a free online workshop entitled The Modern Family Farm Transition July 13th. Go to the FCC website to register. And Ag in Motion will be hosting a research and tire kicking event July 20th. Although in-person restrictions make tire kicking and plot tours a challenge this summer, they'll bring up-to-date information from the field regarding equipment decisions, crop research, and more Visit the Egg in Motion website for details. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, we're joined by Brian Peria, senior analyst at Canfax, to give us a cattle market update. It's
2: been pretty positive for the most part. Cattle markets holding up pretty good. Uh, you know, usually into the springtime, sometimes we see a little bit of you know pressure on the fed cattle market, fat prices. Uh, but uh, they've been holding fully steady you know u.s market actually saw is that some of the highest prices it's been at all year um which is not uh kind of usual for june so really good beef demand maybe cattle numbers finally working through numbers pretty timely so uh yeah fed market's holding up well feedlot's making a little bit of money right now
0: talk a little bit about i guess the the drought conditions um you know what's it like out there yeah
2: you know that's certainly uh kind of top of mind for a lot of people across western Canada uh you know we had a bit of relief, but you know some heat and uh um you know not getting continuous rain are seeing a few pears we've seen quite a few pears come to town, uh even seen at auctions a few places try to split some pears off just uh if there's not enough demand uh which is a little bit early for that, so you know pears are if you got grass or there's some buys out there uh the market's a little bit tough that way and and also seeing yearlings come into market, maybe guys trying to manage their grass, keep the grass for their cow herd, and uh, shipping some yearlings a little bit earlier than they normally do. And like I said, with the markets with well, the way they are, the fed markets kind of popped up. Futures have been strong. You know, the feeder market's actually strengthening uh, kind of nicely, too. So it, it does give, uh, you know, a, a bit of relief uh, for, for some of these producers that got to move cattle. They can at least move them into a bit of a stronger
0: market. Are we still seeing um, you know plants running at, at full capacity? Or
2: yeah, we're doing really good in Canada. Continue U.S. too, getting some bigger kills which we really needed going. Uh, but Canada, yeah, plants running full. You know, actually, you know, pretty much full capacity. Getting the odd Saturday shift. Uh, you know, the luckily the whole JBS uh, kind of issues there is pretty much solved itself, and um, you know, it, it hasn't been a, a big issue at all. So no, we're we're moving through, and that, that's definitely been. Part of the the strength in the fed market that and uh the good demand is, is keeping cattle moving in more timely uh manner for sure we're always watching the dollar and uh you know seeing a little bit of relief there so you know if we watch some of these feeder prices you know if we look at the futures in the 2022 which have been rallying continuously hit new contract highs and the weakening dollar uh you know it certainly looks supportive to the feeder and calf
0: market that was brian peria with canfax giving us a cattle market update Another look at what's happening in the market setting into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Ranchers continue to deal with drought conditions across the prairies. Brian Peria is with Canfax.
2: You know, we had a bit of relief, but, you know, some heat and, uh, you know, not getting continuous rain. are seeing a few pears. We've seen quite a few pears come to town. Uh, even seen at auctions a few places try to split some pears off just because uh, there's not enough demand. Uh which is a little bit early for that. So, you know, pears or if you've got grass or there's some buys out there, uh, the market's a little bit tough that way. And and also seeing yearlings coming to market, maybe guys trying to manage their grass, keep the grass for their cow herd and uh, shipping some yearlings a little bit earlier than they normally do.
0: Agriculture in the Classroom Canada continues to offer programming. Despite challenges brought on by the pandemic, Executive Director Joanne Ross talked about their focus for the year ahead.
3: We're hoping that that we're going to have a little bit more of an in-person presence over the coming school year, but that will remain to be seen. So we will continue to do what we always do. We'll be continuing to populate our Canadian Curriculum Connected Resource Matrix. We're also expanding all of the pieces of our current website with all sorts of different learning opportunities. But really exciting is our thinkag.ca career exploration uh, website, which is separate from our main website.
0: Over the past year, Agriculture in the Classroom Canada has connected 2 million students to agriculture education experiences. And Hensall Global Logistics has acquired a majority interest in overseas container forwarding and a minority interest in overseas container logistics. OCF has operations in Vancouver and Seattle, while OCL has operations in Vancouver, Calgary, and Winnipeg. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.